This is Luke chapter 2, 1 through 20. Jesus is born. In those days, Caesar Augustus made a law. It required that a list be made of everyone in the whole Roman world. It was the first time a list was made of the people while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone went to their own town to be listed. So Joseph went also. He went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. This is where Bethlehem, the town of David, was. Joseph went there because he belonged to the family line of David. He went there with Mary to be listed. Mary was engaged to him, and she was expecting a baby. While Joseph and Mary were there, the time came for the child to be born. She gave birth to her first baby. It was a boy. She wrapped him in large strips of cloth. Next, next she placed her, him in a manger. That's because there was no guest room where they could stay. <clears throat> there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. It was night, and they were taking care of their sheep. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I will bring you good news. It will bring I will bring great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Here is how you will know I'm telling you the truth. You will, you will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a large group of angels from heaven also appeared. They were praising God, they said. May glory be given to God in the highest heaven, and may peace be given to those he is pleased with on earth. The angels left and went into heaven. Then the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and went and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. The baby was lying in the manger. After the shepherds had seen him, they told everyone. They reported what the angel had said about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary kept all these things like a secret treasure in her heart. She thought about them over and over. The shepherds returned. They gave glory and praise to God. Everything they had seen and heard was just as they had been told. Let's pray together. Father, we think of the truths of Scripture that teach us in many ways that you are a giver of good gifts. 
Lord, we have been focusing this Advent season on your generosity, on all that you give us, that you have given joy and peace and hope and love. And Lord, today on Christmas Eve, we remember that you've given us your son. And you've done so because you love the world. And so God, I pray that you would not only teach us today, but as through your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, as you shine light into darkness, Lord, that you would shine it into our hearts and that we would receive Jesus as good news for a world in need, God. And so would you lead us, guide us, teach us, empower us, Lord, convict us where we need to be convicted, encourage us where we need encouragement, Lord. Have your way in our hearts, God. We give you glory. We look to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in scripture and in culture, Light and darkness are often metaphors for life and death, for truth and deception, for good and evil, for wisdom and folly. And when Jesus says that he is the light of the world, it speaks to all of these things as well. He is goodness in a world of darkness. He's truth and he's wisdom in a world that is desperate to know what is real and and what is good and what is right. And Jesus is eternal life when everything else will die. Isaiah 9, 2 says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them, a light has shone. And Christmas is a celebration of this light coming into the darkness But if you are operating under the cover of darkness, how you feel about light shining into that darkness depends entirely upon what you are doing in the dark. I have three distinct memories of being in pitch darkness, having bright light shone into that darkness and having three very distinctly different reactions. The first was as a teenager, I was driving late at night on Highway 1 between Gaviota and Lompoc. And if you know that road, there are some treacherous corners and there is no light if there are no other cars on the road. And I was taking a corner and my headlights shorted out. And for what felt like an eternity, I'm driving in this abyss of darkness, fumbling, you know, terrified with the lights, trying to get the lights to to turn back on and somehow triggered my high beams. And so even though my headlights had gone out, my high beams came on and, and just enough time to make sure I was on the road and the light shining into the darkness guided me home safely. There was another time though, probably very shortly after that, I was, I believe I was 19 years old and I was camping at Refugio with some friends and, um, I found an, an older uh, gentleman who was willing to buy uh, adult beverages for myself and my friends. And so I'm walking through the dark campgrounds at Refugio carrying two cases of beer and I got hit in the face with two flashlights. It was the park rangers who knew me and knew how old I was. 
The third time was a couple years after that, I was a new student at Biola University and uh, the dorm that I lived in had a, what they called a floor bonding ritual. Now, if you're not familiar with floor bonding rituals, it's, it's hazing when you can't say hazing. Uh, you're not allowed to haze new students, but you can have a floor bonding ritual. So we were woken up in the middle of the night and taken to this park that had a drainage tunnel uh, like a, a drainage pipe that went about a mile and a half under the city of La Mirada. And we had to walk with our hands on the shoulders of the person in front of us through this drainage tunnel at about three o'clock in the morning. And I don't know if I've ever seen anything so black, so dark, so void of light, except every hundred yards or so, there'd be this little dim light bulb at the top of this drainage pipe that you had to duck your head so you didn't hit your head on it. There was just enough light to, so you could see the person in front of you, so you could see your hands on their shoulders, and also all of the nasty stuff living in the drainage pipe. The webs and bugs and the muck that our feet were going through. And every time the light would come up, there'd be this comfort because you could finally see, and then this terror because of what you saw. And see, how we respond to the light of Jesus shining into the darkness of our lives has the same three effects on people. Some will receive it. Those who are honestly looking for the truth of God, those who honestly want to know who God is and, and what he, he asks of us, the way he asks of us to live to, in a way that pleases him, will, will find that truth, will find what is real in Jesus. But those who are living contrary to God's will, who are using the darkness to keep their works hidden, so to speak, will reject the light. And King Herod is a great example of this in the Gospels. King Herod, after the three wise men came to him and said, hey, we saw the star indicating that the king of the Jews was to be born. We've come to worship him. King Herod was furious because he was the king. He didn't like the idea of a new king being born. And so Matthew 2.16 says, Then Herod became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Herod attempted to snuff out the light because it was a threat to his own life, his own power, his own status. Many people will reject Jesus today, not for intellectual or philosophical reasons, but for the fear that their own lives will have to change. And they will. We'll talk about that in a moment. But still there are others who I believe sincerely want Jesus. They want truth. They want a relationship with God. They know the love that he brings, the hope that he offers, the joy that he gives and want that. But they're afraid of bringing their whole selves into the light for fear that they might not like what they see. And so they resist him. See, again, that soul determining factor between rejoicing in the light and rejecting or resisting the light is how that person feels about what's happening in the darkness. Or maybe we can think about it a different way. 
Many people believe that they have accepted Jesus, but they've put a filter on him. Like the other day, my wife took a picture of me and I was like, dang, I look good. And then I realized there was a filter. It wasn't me. And so we put these filters on Jesus. It looks like Jesus, but it takes away all the rough edges. It takes away all the things that make us uncomfortable. And so maybe you're here today because you like the Christmas Jesus best, right? The, the, the eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus who can't tell you how to live. We like, we like the Christmas Jesus. Or maybe you like Jesus the sage, the wise man who spoke in nothing but parables, but doesn't actually tell you how to live. Or maybe the social activist Jesus, you like him, overturning the tables in the temple, calling out unrighteousness, calling out sin, but very uncomfortable by the man who ate with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and spent time with the people that society rejected. So we slap these filters on the light to turn G- to, 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 to accentuate the aspects of Jesus that we like and then downplay the aspects of Jesus that we don't like. Because the pure light of, of the sun is too much for us. We put on, we put on glasses, we hide in the shade. The, the pure light of Christ can be jarring. And so we put these filters on him. But it's only jarring because we've become accustomed to living in the dark. The light of the sun isn't, isn't offensive after being in it for a while, but it's, but if after stepping out of a dark theater into the bright sunlight, it, it hurts. It stings the eyes. And so many people resist coming into the light of Jesus because they're, they're afraid of the, the jarring nature of that light. But listen, Christmas is a reminder that the way the light of God comes into our lives through Jesus is like a child being born into the world. The light of God, the power of God, the love of God, the, the glory of God comes into the world in gentleness as a human baby. And as any parent will tell you, and for those of you parents in the room, you know that it's, it's remarkable how something so small, so gentle, so vulnerable, has the power to change absolutely everything about your life. But the hours that you sleep, about what you can and can't do with your free time now, the pain in your arm from constantly carrying a child, something so small has such power to change absolutely everything in our lives. So Christ is born into our world, into into the, the darkness and the despair in the same way, the power of God in the gentleness of a baby. But that baby has changed absolutely everything in human history. Jesus changes absolutely everything in every life that receives him. Jesus changes everything. We can receive him in gentleness. 
We can receive the, the light in, in the way that we can accept it, but that light grows and grows and shines into every aspect of our lives, revealing what's truly there. Not to condemn us, but so that through Christ we might be saved. Some of us know we need that change. Maybe you're even reflecting on that as the year, the end of the year approaches, the beginning of the new year is coming, and you know, I don't want 2024 to be like 2023. Or I don't want 2024 to be like any of the previous years of my life. You know that you need a change. And some of us know that we need that change and we're resisting it. Yes, I need that change, but I can do it. I can educate myself. I can work harder. I can be more disciplined. And all of these things may be true. But the change that we need in our lives, the change that the light brings, what it exposes, what it reveals, what it gives, there is no other way to receive that light that we need. No other way to be enlightened. No other way for our lives to be illuminated. Not even no other way as powerful, no other way at all apart from Jesus. Because apart from Jesus, any offer of salvation, any offer of wisdom, any offer of love or good, it's darkness. Jesus is the light of the world given to us by God. Don't resist it. Don't reject it. Receive that light today. Whether you've received it and, and put your faith in Jesus in the past or not, we need to continually be allowing that light to shine into these places in our lives. Because again, it is because of God's love for us that he has given us his son, not to condemn us, but to heal us. I want to close with this. John three sixteen verses uh, 3, 16 through 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus is not coming into your life to condemn you. He's not coming into your life because he's mad at you. God did not send his son to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Christmas is that celebration of the light in the darkness. God has not left us to, to search out truth on our own. He has come to show us the way. And the reason we all came here today, or the reason somebody dragged you here today, 
is because we want to, we need to know that light, to see that light, to receive that light, to let it shine into our lives, to reveal, yeah, maybe some things that we don't like to see. But God points it out so that it can be clearly seen and removed. Not to shame you, not because he's mad at you, but because he loves you. And so let's receive that light today. And let's do so by worshiping, by lifting our voices and, and singing these truths about him. I think of that, that song, Oh, come, let us adore him. The greatest way that we can celebrate Christmas is to adore and to worship Jesus. And so we're going to continue to do so as a family. Father, thank you that you have shown light into this world. God, that you've not left us in the dark, that you've not left us in, in the things that we fear. Lord, that you've not left us alone. Lord, thank you that it's not because you're, you're mad at us or frustrated with us or disappointed with us that you finally, you come into the world and, and point out everything that's wrong with us. But Jesus, as, as light, you, sh you show us what's true. You show us what's real. You show us what pleases God. You've told us the thing that pleases God most is believing in the one whom he has sent. And so, Lord, we, we trust you. We put our faith in you today, Jesus. Even as we worship now, Lord, would you shine your light into our hearts and replace the darkness with life and with joy and with peace and hope and truth, Lord. We love you and we, we worship you, Lord. We pray it all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.